0: Many doubted
1: we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Welcome to podcast number 13, The Outsiders. Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee in studio. That McDavid goal might be replaced by one we just saw this past weekend. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit with Darren Drager from TSN, who will be joining us. We'll also be chatting with Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports because we're getting close to Christmas. Okay, where do we want to start? Let's quit. Let's start with the CFL for a moment because we just wrapped up with the semifinals this past weekend. I'm not surprised the Edmonton Eskimos beat the Montreal Alouettes in the Eastern semifinal, but that Western semifinal is a bit of a – that's a shake the etch a sketch. I automatically assumed that the Calgary Stampeders were going to get into the final in the West because they're also hosting the Grey Cup game. That game shocked me a little bit.
2: Oh, it shocked me a lot. It was not close, frankly. I know. And strevler I mean, put on a cape or something. I mean, that's Unbelievable. He was, I mean, he's nicked up going into this thing, a performance like that, and they waxed the Stampeders. I mean, that was not a uh, last-second skin-of-their-teeth thing. That was with an exclamation mark.
1: And you have Zach Kolaris, who's in there, and numerous times watching the game, I thought to myself, why don't they just change it up a little bit here because the Stampeders were keying in quite nicely on him. So Strevler comes in, and uh, all of a sudden is running it like he's uh, a— like a tailback, and all of a sudden the Calgary Stampede defense had to change a little bit. Then they throw Calaris back in there, and all of a sudden he's got a little more room to work with, and Winnipeg in that second half absolutely took it away from the Calgary Stampeders on a bone-chilling day at McMahon Stadium. And then the Edmonton Eskimos. You and I have been discussing numerous times over the past few weeks that for Jason Moss to survive, they really had to get to the Grey Cup
2: game, and now they're just one win away from doing that. You know, it's interesting, Bryn, and I think when you and I uh, flop our gums about what does Jason Moss need to do to keep his job, I mean, I don't think it's a, a not a well-thought-out argument, you know, how far do they have to get for him to keep his job? This is not a club that has quit on Jason Moss by any stretch. Um, the, the question is, under his regime, are they, you know, are they dedicated enough and disciplined enough? because at the end of the day, you know, success matters. And But what I saw this weekend, I'll tell you what, Harris is the obvious part of that. I was going through my old shrinking brain trying to think about when I had seen a better performance, and I'm talking either league, than what we saw Trevor Harris put on. It's not in the championship game, but... It's in an important game that allowed the Eskimos to move on. And it was ridiculous at 20 in a row. I mean, that's not uh, a slack-ass defense he's facing. And he didn't just pick his spots. He threw some tough balls in there. To come back like he did, he was in, gave it another week off to rest it, and then come back and be that sharp. It was amazing to me. I, I didn't believe what I was seeing as he ran it up to 20 in a row. Well, there was a little scuffle before the start of that
1: football mm. game, and I'm thinking, oh, man, here we go again, undisciplined. And the more I watched that, that game, I thought to myself, you know what? This team right now is designed to absolutely feast off emotion. Yep. And if they don't have any, they don't have any chance. So the question is, can they take it to the line before it gets stupid? And can they continually push it to the line before it gets stupid? On occasion, they're going to get stupid. But for the most part, watching the Edmonton Eskimos in that game against Montreal, they were, a, they were a very emotional squad, and I think that's the only way they can win is to play right up to the edge of that line.
2: Well, I tell you what, when, when somebody calls your defense trash, that's going to get under your skin. Sure. What impressed me about the Eskimos, hey, you can have the rhubarb before the game starts. What you don't want is the late hit and the uh, flags flying because somebody's getting in somebody else's face. And for the most part, we didn't see that. So, hey, use it as bulletin board material, but play hard between the whistles, but cut the bullshit that's got you in trouble most of the year, you know, dead dead play fouls for slapping some guy in the head or roughing. And they stayed away from that. And now they move on to take on the team that's had the most wins this season
1: in the Canadian football league, like the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The place is going to be sold out. And I wouldn't write the
2: Edmonton Eskimos off at all in that game. I would not either, and I wasn't sure about that. But I tell you what, because with Trevor Harris, and everybody knows this, and it should be obvious, but really think about it. This wasn't a bum knee, and hey, a bum knee is bad enough. This was his throwing arm yes. that kept him out. When we're talking about the completions we did, you know, I wasn't sure. I, I go out there weekly and house Trevor Harris and Wednesday back in, and everybody says what you expect them to say. We'll be fine. We'll be good. It's a chance for Logan Kilgore. Now Harris comes back in, we'll be fine. Well, you don't know if they'll be fine until you see it unfold. And Trevor Harris was beyond fine. It was a record-setting performance. And we could talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers all we want, but we'll have an
1: opportunity to do that again because they're going to be in Saskatchewan for the Western final. But I want to say one thing about the Calgary Stampeders. Bo Levi Mitchell and that franchise led by John Huffnagel and uh, and Dave Dickinson, wow, it's uh they have been people always say you have to win cups to be considered a dynasty over the last 15 years they have been rock solid that's been a great franchise as far as i'm concerned
2: oh that's the cadillac of the canadian football league right there they're the flagship right now you're not supposed to say that up up highway two from Cowtown where we are but the fact is the stampeders have been something special and you know what It would sell more tickets if they were in another Grey Cup game with the big game being down the road. But I tell you what, uh, it also makes it interesting for the rest of the league because we're not going to see the Calgary Stampeders. Lots to talk about hockey-wise, and we're going to do that with Darren
1: Drager of TSN coming up in a couple of moments. But something happened over this past weekend and I don't know where we're going to take it, but this was said. Now, you go to the small cities and, you know, you, you know, those the rows on rows. You people love
0: you, you that come here, whatever it is. You love our way of life. You love our milk and honey. At least you can pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys pay the, uh,
1: the biggest price. Now that's Hockey Night in Canada, Don Cherry, along with Ron McLean. That upset a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that back Don Cherry because they think that it's somewhat accurate and that we live in a world of political correctness. Where do you want to go with
2: this? Well, where I want to go with this is pretty simple. Our service people, whether it's peacetime or wartime, there is no – I know where Don Cherry's heart is. I'll say that much because – He's made a career out of uh, showing great reverence for our military, as he should, and as every citizen who enjoys the freedoms that they do and that we do today because of people who fought and died and served. There's, it's not even a debate right. that we owe all of our service people a debt of gratitude that can never be paid back. Where you go off the rails with this, Bryn, is what Don did with the way he framed things. And I'm not a politically correct guy. (laughs) No. I'm of a generation that's very unpolitically correct. What Don should have said, and it's easier for me to sit here and say it because I don't have the emotion in it that I know he does, and that's not an excuse for Don. It was flat out wrong. Dumb. But you say... Look, you give your spiel about our service people, you say whatever you want and take as long as you want. And the way you cap it is hey, everybody, or all of our citizens, let's show our appreciation. Let's everybody show our appreciation. Go out and buy a poppy. It's not that much to ask. You're fine. You're good right there. But when you start with you people, you are separating a segment of society that in your mind is not doing what it should to show due respect. And again, no argument here. All respect is due. But you're going about it the wrong way. People don't fight and die so that we can break ourselves up as a society from within By saying things like you people, we have the freedom to say you people, and Don Cherry has the freedom to say you people because of the people that have died and served this country. But just because he has the right to say it doesn't mean he should. And I thought, for the respect I have for Don Cherry, I thought he blew it. It's counterproductive, if you ask me. There's a few things
1: that bothered me about the whole thing. One is, Ron McClain, that's the one time when you're going to have to step up and go, okay, hang on a minute. And he, he didn't. I saw a tweet on Sunday night, I believe it was, and I couldn't agree more. And it was, the the biggest problem our country might have is that there's more Ron McClain's than Don Cherry's. And I went, what does that mean? And then I thought about it. And what that tweet was trying to tell me is that there's too many people here who sit alongside somebody who might be saying something that, would be considered offensive, and people don't speak up. They don't say, hey, "Hey, wait a minute." And there's nothing wrong with having that discourse between two people. So, Ron comes back on Sunday night on hometown hockey, and basically apologizes for his actions because he didn't step up and speak up. There's that. The other thing that bothers me about this is we have a lot of people who come here from other countries, and the one thing, the one binding thing that we've always believed in our hearts to be true here in Canada is that hockey is us. Canada is hockey. And so you have people coming from other parts of the world because they are looking for a new life because where they're coming from might be a war-torn country, or there might be some other reasons for it, or they see opportunity here. And the one thing that they can turn to to try to assimilate and try to be a little more Canadian is the fact that we can all learn through hockey. And when you're using a hockey platform like that to say you people, I think that turns a lot of people off and, and I, I just I just hated it. The fact we're still talking about it here I, I, it's very I'm just disappointed by everything and there were a lot of things that disappointed me about that but hey listen it's out there now And then the, one last thing it, next year I want you to do me one favor anybody who was out there listening the week before Remembrance Day, I want you to sit at the mall. And look at the people who are wearing poppies and look at the people who are not wearing poppies. And it isn't just you people. It's everybody. It's slipping. We're slipping. And I think that that's kind of sad. And I just want people to realize that it is not just one particular group that's doing this. I think it's a big group. And I think that big group is Canadians. I think we're losing something here. And I just wish that Don had gone down a more positive route in getting his message out. Yeah, I hear you, man. I think we're good on that. Are we not? I'm fine. Okay. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers are not stumbling. They're not bumbling. I love the fact that both the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames are right there with the Oilers at the top of the Pacific Division. I think it's fantastic. We're going to chat coming up on the show, as we said, with Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports. If you're looking for a great Christmas gift for a sports fan, we'll get to Jack coming up in a little bit. But are you ready for Darren Drager?
2: Well, absolutely, as long as he's ready for us, pal.
1: (laughs) I'm sure he is. Darren Drager from TSN is coming right up. Okay, before we really get into it here with Darren Drager from TSN, I do have to apologize, Dregs, because I kind of got Ray Ferraro all jacked up when we had him on our podcast a little while ago. I know you'll find it entertaining, but when we had him on – I suggested that you had told us that the podcast was gonna be Dregs and Ray and he kinda of chuckles and then he says, That's so like Dragger. He's always putting the pebble in the shoe and and so I so I kind of misquoted just to get him going a little bit. I hope you don't mind.
0: No, I don't mind at all. And in fact, full disclosure, when you know the the idea of this podcast was originally pitched and, and we thought it was a good idea. And then the people at UDO that we're working with thought, okay, well, now we've got to come up with a creative, catchy name. Uh, and it was simplified to Ray and Greg's. It was never Greg's and Ray. So I, I like your effort in that. But <laughs> the actual name that was presented to us was Razor's Edge. And uh, I didn't really care, but this is a good teammate that Ray Ferraro is. He, he actually said to the group, nah. I don't think that's right. I mean, this is about—is this about me and Drake telling stories and talking about the news of the week? So we both need to re- rep, uh, represent it. So, good old teammate Ray Ferraro.
2: Well, you also don't mm-hmm. want people thinking they're going to be hearing Daryl Ray with that kind. There's of There's another one either, too. So. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, I see you were you you were working the podcast audience last night, didn't I? Did I not see a tweet from you? yeah, somebody asked for a good pod to listen to because they were going to be home doing some work. and I right away I just saw at Ray and Dregs that was
0: you. <laughs> Well, it was Diana Swain here. and uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the Swain name on the yes. prairies, um, more sort of uh, Manitoba. You know, her late great dad was a, a news anchor, I believe at at Global in Winnipeg years ago. Um, and Diana, of course, uh, very successful. Uh, news anchor and news reporter. So I've known Diana pretty much my entire professional life. So I wasn't missing that opportunity when she tweeted out that, you know, she was convalescing or doing whatever she was doing at home and, and needed some podcast ideas. I was quick to jump on that.
1: Have to ask you too, about how much time it's chewing up because you don't have a lot of downtime, <laughs> Darren.
0: <laughs> well, you know, this week is unique and you guys know this because you, you do it. Um, you know it's it's not as simple as sitting down and just ripping a, an hour 90 minutes 2 hours whatever the podcast length happens to be off you, you know not- there's a lot of it's there's a lot of setup time and and what complicates it even more with Ray and I is the fact that we're in different cities you know normally he's he's in Vancouver or he's traveling and I'm in Toronto or I'm traveling so that in and of itself is is, is somewhat problematic but then you've got to wrestle with the the schedules and the flexibility of certain guests. And, you know, this week, as an example, we've got Dean Evison, who's a former teammate of Ferraro's, and now he's an assistant coach with Minnesota Wild, as you know. So we taped that interview uh, yesterday. Boys, you got to hear this. I mean, to listen to these two guys <laughs> tell their stories from their shenanigans of the 80s and everything they did on and off the ice, I mean... Uh it's it was interesting to say the least. So that's a part of it. And then today we're going to uh probably do the the guts of the podcast. We'll lay that down. And we've got Tom Wilson in the Washington Capitals lined up, but to do that interview. Ray's gotta be up tomorrow morning at six thirty AM Pacific time.
1: I don't know how he's gonna do it.
0: So, so he <laughs> we can justify uh, the the flexibility needed uh, from Wilson and the capital's perspective. So they'll be three separate recordings that go into episode seven. And if that continues on a weekly basis, I don't know if we make it past Christmas.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know if you're finding it the same as us, but when you do one a week, it's really difficult to be specific. You almost have to generalize a little bit. And especially when you get guests and you're a classic example, this is your second go around with us. People really seem to enjoy. And with Ray, we did it. He was fantastic where we actually talked about his career shifting from hockey to broadcaster and he never has a chance to say that kind of stuff very much so it gives you a chance to go a little bit deeper
0: It does and and as you guys know, you're right, even the players the coaches, the general managers you know, any of the athletes or or sports people that you guys have on the podcast, it's the same thing I, I think that they find it uh, almost like a, a breath of fresh air. To of course you're going to talk about some current events um, within reason, but then you take it into areas that many of these people, you know, aren't used to to, to talking about. You know. Uh, use Connor McDavid as an example, or, or any NHL player for that matter. Yeah, they know what the scrum questions are going to be like, pregame, postgame, all of that stuff. But to have an opportunity to, to talk about their lives either away from the rink or some of the things that have gone on that you know, don't normally get the day-to-day attention, I, I think they enjoy it. At least that's been my experience
2: darren how much more leeway do you give yourselves to enjoy it talk more loosely uh in in the podcast format i, I mean we can say things here obviously that you can't say on the radio it doesn't mean yeah. you want 60 minutes of locker room talk but uh where's where's that line for you and ray yeah
0: it's an interesting one and i don't know that we've we've quite drawn that line yet uh you know to be fair rob it's it's interesting. Like, you know, we again had an experience this week where I mean there's a couple of curse words tossed out. You know, nothing that uh is, is going to get anyone up in arms. But the old broadcaster in me, as soon as I heard it, went, ooh <laughs> You know <laughs> yeah. yep. I, I don't know about that. Um and then we had a, a conversation after the fact about it and it's it's not that big of a deal. I mean I i'm pretty straight and conservative i don't mind you know uh talking about things that normally you wouldn't talk about on radio and and television but you know out of respect to all of our podcast listeners um who's kidding who i mean we're not going after the same demographic that you know biz nasty and and whitney have got with spitting chiclets um it's it's just different so there there is a, a bit of a line there but you know Camry Granado has, has been a, a great resource for both Ray and I, and she's almost like our conscience uh, and cheerleader at the same time. And, and a couple of times now she's reminded both of us, look, stop with a broadcast routine and just get to the parts where you guys are just normal dudes sitting around, maybe having a coffee, having a beer, mm-hmm. talking hockey or talking about your life. And so as we go into episode seven and eight, Um, I think that's been invaluable information, especially for me to just loosen up a little bit.
1: You can talk shit on this podcast anytime (laughs) you want, Darren. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Hey, uh, a couple other uh, things we definitely got to touch on here that I I, I think these are going to last for quite a while. So Taylor Hall does a, a tour of duty through the West here, and we know that he met with his agent apparently in Calgary. What is going on here? And the other thing, too, I keep hearing the rumbles and, well, don't, don't discount Edmonton. And I'm thinking, here's a guy who's moving into, well, he's already in the prime of his career, but he's got to start winning. He's got to yeah. get into the playoffs. He, he should be looking at winning a cup. Edmonton's really not very close. So why would you even consider moving back to a place where you were before that pushed you away? Like, I just, I, I discount all of these Edmonton rumors.
0: Yeah, so do I. It's a bit of a head-scratcher. And and not just for all the things, Brenda, you've talked about here, but just look at the economics of it as well. And, you know, how does Kenny Holland, as, uh, as, as good as Kenny Holland has been historically as a general manager in the NHL, uh, he's not a magician with numbers. You know, how do you make that fit? How do you make that work with some of the other areas that the Oilers have to uh, address? And now I know when you look at their roster, you know, they don't have that many forwards signed you know, after this season. I think six or seven. So there there could be opportunity. It doesn't quite add up for me, but I, in saying that, I'm still going to be intrigued by what Ray shiro and the New Jersey Devils do with Taylor Hall. Let's let's assume in January, early February, they're a non-playoff team. And then maybe that's you know a negative and, and large assumption. I don't know, just based on the way they started um, better of late, but the way they started, I, you know, I think that that's the indication. You know, what does he do with Hall? Uh, I don't know that, in fact, I do. I can't believe he'd let that asset walk for free in the summer. And Darren Ferris probably isn't doing his job as the agent for Taylor Hall unless he's advising him to wait so that he has a look at, at what the full market looks like. The only way I see Edmonton getting involved in trying to, to grab Taylor Hall back is on a rental and what's the rental cost going to be for taylor hall and the only way you would do that is if again given how well the lawyers have played the position that they're in in the western conference if they hold down that spot you know maybe kenny doesn't have much of a choice rather than to chase it a little bit and you're not selling the farm you're not giving up multiple assets for taylor hall as a rental but I'd say that there's maybe a 3% chance that the Oilers would have interest in that scenario because whatever the assets you're giving, there's still assets that can be applied to your future. But that's the only way any of that talk makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Darren. You know, if you even take a worst-case scenario, Taylor Hall going into the summer as a UFA, even if he has a terrible year, his number has got to start with at least a 9, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: And that might be light. You know, you look around and, and, you know, some of the numbers that have been thrown out with the restricted free agent players, that, that can be applied to the unrestricted free agents as well. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's assume that Taylor gets going offensively and he starts to put up the numbers, you know, then you, you cross-reference that with, uh, what might be available in terms of star forwards, you know, come the off season, and he's top of the class. Yep. He's top of the class. So, you know, it, you know, to your point earlier, it's it's going to depend on where he wants to be, yeah, and and what does that opportunity look like? And I'm not for a moment going to suggest that <laughs> New Jersey isn't a healthy and strong hockey market, because. You look foolish when you talk that way, given the history of the New Jersey Devils and the success that this team has had. But I don't think Taylor is at all afraid of going into a a real competitive hockey market. And so, you know, that could be another Canadian team. You know, could he be a fit in Montreal? Yeah, I could see that. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to be a prime contender, but I could see that happening. I could see their interest. I could see his interest. Um, Boston comes to mind, but Don Sweeney somehow has, has almost created a human salary cap there in Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, how does Hall make more than Pasternak or, or Brad Marchand go down the list? So as much as the Bruins might be able to use him, I don't see it as a good fit. But that that type of market, that, that sort of scrutiny and whatnot that Hall would have faced in Edmonton, um, I, I don't think he's worried about that at all. In fact, I think he feeds off that. So if he makes it unrestricted free agency, it'll be fascinating to see where he lands.
1: What about the city just to the south of us? They need to shake things up a little bit. I, I don't see a lot of panic there, but no. perhaps there's something not quite right. I've watched enough of their games this season that they just seem a little bit out of sync.
0: Yeah. And I'm with you on that. You know, they it's the old adage, you know, they'll take two steps forward and three steps back. And, you know, the mistakes that are being made are, are alarming when you look at who's making the mistakes. You know, the experience of, of Giordano and who's not you know, providing the, the majority of their offense, be it through Goudreau or Monaghan and, and go down the list from there. Um, I, Bill Peters is interesting. I, I, I like Bill Peters. I think he's a good coach, but, man, he can be hard-nosed. And yeah. anybody who played for him in Carolina uh, knows that, experienced it. And those who didn't know much about Bill Peters as players in Calgary, well, they know him well now. And for him to play that card as early as he did last week, you know where he's essentially calling out everyone, starting with uh, Lindholm and, and Giordano. Maybe they're easy targets because you know one guy leads in scoring, and the other guy's your captain and the Norris winner. I mean, you know, I guess it's it's easy to to single them out as uh, as Exhibit A. But from that old coaching manual, where do you go from there if the response isn't? Not just immediate, because there was a bit of a pushback, but then consistent after that. So uh, I think that if, if they run into more trouble moving forward here, then maybe it's on the general manager to step into the mix and start moving bodies again.
2: Yeah, Darren, I think you're right. You can only play that card... So many times. There's coaches with a shelf life. We all know who they are. I mean, every coach has a shelf life, but ones that are shorter than others. I mean, we just had Hitchin here, you know, last season, Uh, the demanding kind of guy you talk about. Yeah, you only get that card to play so often. Hey, how about another guy in your backyard? Uh, How does Babcock handle the Maple Leafs now that? they're struggling a little bit and now they've got Marner out for a month. That's a, that's a big hole and they haven't exactly overachieved to this point.
0: No, uh, he's, he's had to deal with injury this year already with, you know, Tavares out first with a broken finger. Now you've got the ankle sprain that Mm -hmm. will keep Marner out for a minimum of four weeks. And that's a tough one. Um, You know, Marner on so many nights is, is the driver as Babcock likes to call him on that team. And, and, there's been some criticism of Mitch Marner to this point of the season. You don't replace a player like that. I mean, from, from Babcock's perspective, I guess the good news is he, he does believe that he's getting Zach Hyman back, and he loves Zach Hyman. Um, but if I look at the Chicago game, you know, the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs just came ill-prepared. You know, they were outclassed the start of that hockey game. Mm-hmm. That first period was a debacle. From Toronto's perspective. So, why is that? You know, why isn't that team as ready as they need to be? I get it, it's back to backs, but, you know, if you want to play the back to back card, then take a look at the statistics of back to back games that the New York Islanders have played. <laughs> they don't, the yeah. Islanders don't seem to be having any trouble yeah. winning that second game of the back to back. So, every team has to deal with that. So, yeah, there are some red flags that are in the air around Mike Babcock, but I don't get the sense that he's truly on the hot seat that can change it can shift no question about it but I, I i think that he will be on the hot seat but that hot seat you know won't reach white hot until near the end of the season you know if if the maple Leafs were to fail to qualify for the playoff spot forget about it it's over they're moving on sheldon Keefe would be the next coach if they don't get past round one I think the same applies, and it might even apply if they lost uh, in round two. But you know, beyond that, if they uh, they manage to get to the Eastern Conference Final, then obviously I think he'd be safe.
1: Hey, one of the big issues we saw a goal by Charlie Coyle. Uh, do you want to get into that with the offside stuff that's been going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's what's bizarre about it is, you know, we can all see just with the eye test, but this isn't the way the rule and the review process was, was intended to be uh, utilized. I mean, it, it obviously was designed to cover their ass, you know, for the egregious and you can go back a handful of years ago when Matt Tachene of the Colorado Avalanche scored a goal. And, yeah. you know, he was like 10 feet offside. Well, that's that's why the review was put in place. Right. But what's interesting is, guys, I, I don't know if you caught it or not, but I did a, a GM poll, just a flash poll uh, on Thursday last week. And um, uh, I had 28 general managers respond. And I believe 15 of them off the top of my head said that should have been a good goal. The spirit of it should have been a good goal. You know, the the Montreal Canadiens had good numbers in the defensive zone. Their coverage was there. You know, Charlie Coyle kicking that puck up to a stick from a skate or into the zone had no bearing. So the fact that there's that significant a disconnect among the managers who, you know, they're the ones that create these rules and tweak and change the language was was surprising me. So what it means moving forward, there's a GM meeting here in Toronto on the 19th. They'll talk about it there, and it'll get pushed into the March meetings in Florida, and and then perhaps they'll start to hammer away at what the language should look like to allow that sort of stuff.
2: Darren, one thing I wonder if it's going to get any time on the agenda with the GMs, There's been a couple articles written in in the last week or so, some of them based out of here. The star players, the guys high on the marquee, are not being... There's a feeling out there by some they're not being protected well enough by the league. There was a a clip on, on... Twitter of uh, O'Reilly tugging and pulling at Connor McDavid as he was trying to get free now it sounds bad when you got an Edmonton guy asking about Connor McDavid but it can be about Pasternak it can be about McKinnon pick your guy in your city yes these guys tend to get a lot of calls but they don't get all the calls and I'm wondering where's the line to free up your marquee players but also not have it be 60 minutes of special teams
0: Right. And then there has to be a line of, of, of some description. Um, But I I think what works to the advantage of the officiating department of the national hockey league is we're really talking about a select few and no one in the category of, of Connor McDavid for a variety of reasons. I mean, you know, it's not like you're trying to, to close the gap on him. It's because it's next to impossible. So yeah. you know that from a speed perspective, you can't match up against Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just instinctual that you're going to do something to to try and either you know knock him off that speed or you know do something to impede his progress. Well, that's a penalty by definition. That's a penalty. And the play that you're talking about, I, I you know of course that seems glaring and should have been called. But I, I always want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. And, and and knowing this, and we all do, it's still a judgment game in so many ways. That's a missed call. That's all that is. That's a mistake made by the officials. And I guarantee you on a nightly basis, because I've, I've been down this road with Stephen Walk and the director of officiating many times before, mm-hmm. they clip all that stuff. It's not like those guys aren't held accountable. So I'd be shocked if there wasn't a discussion, a group discussion among the officials where that play was clipped and saying, hmm. Missed that one, fellas. You yeah, know, yeah. we we got to tighten it up. So they, they they do take that sort of thing into account for sure.
1: Hey, before we kind of wrap this up, two quick oiler questions. One, uh, I'm assuming you saw the Sunday night goal of Connor McDavid's. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, man. How do you stop that?
0: <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny because it, it it's a huge topic of conversation. Of course, it's so spectacular. It's insanely good. Um, how do you stop it? I don't know. I just, you know, I'm, I was joking with someone earlier about how, you know, the, we're all kind of familiar with the Connor McDavid level, and that level is above everyone else in the NHL. With great respect to to Sid and and Pasternak and all the great players, there's some guys pretty close, and Leon Griceidle fits into that conversation as well. Yep, but. that's next level to Connor McDavid's level, that goal. So here's hoping that he's got another level to the two levels that we've already talked about, because it's, it's it's going to be stuff that, you know, we can uh, revel over and have fun with for a long time to come. Um, It just, his ability, the hands, the vision, the hockey IQ, the speed, all of that is, 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 Undeniable. We can see that and we see it on a nightly basis. Maybe what we've we haven't measured accurately to this point of Connor McDavid's career is his will. Yeah. And his want to compete. And his 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 absolute love of winning. Because how else do you describe what he did in in staying in that play? And then the execution, the finish is is pretty obvious. I mean, again, that's that's part of an unbelievable skill set. But the will to just continue to keep his feet moving and driving and keep that play alive. At that speed. At that speed. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. That's how I want to describe.
2: And here's the other thing, Darren, that I took away from that afterwards, after the goal actually sunk in. We want the best players to be in the game. We don't want them injured. We just talked about Marner now being out for a month. It doesn't matter who you take out of that. Uh, Art Ross scoring race, you don't want players injured. The first thing I thought, given the whole summer was a watch on Connor McDavid's knee is he carried all that weight on his left knee uh, to make that move after his right knee gave out underneath him. He got back up, made a great play, and I bet a lot of Oiler fans exhaled and goes... And then he looks okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and maybe that was the sniff test that you finally had to pass. Um, I know I one thing that I know is, and, and there, was, there was some consternation over the course of the off season, both locally in Edmonton and nationally, hmm. you know, because no one had access to McDavid. Uh, and he didn't go to this event. He didn't go to that event. And, and why is that? Well, I mean, he was 100% committed and focused on his rehabilitation. And now we can appreciate why, because obviously all the work that he put in and he continues to put in to uh, stay healthy and stay tip top condition and, and strengthen not only the, the knee and the leg, but just generally get stronger is is paying dividends. But maybe maybe we're asking this question and it's fair to watch more closely if he doesn't put the work in that he obviously put in and getting healthy in the summer
1: have to ask you this one because this question has been asked around here an awful lot as we approach the midway point of November. And we so often look at U.S. Thanksgiving as being a real telling mark. Are you uh, still kind of looking at the Edmonton Oilers right now and wondering, okay, so when are the wheels going to fall off a little bit here? Because over the last week or two, Ashley Connor has been their second best player.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, like, I'm not asking and wondering if the wheels are going to come off. Uh, I do think that, you know, Edmonton's going to come back to the pack a little bit. yeah. And, you know, by doing that, you've got to have teams beneath them that maybe gain some traction and, and get going. And obviously in the Western Conference, there have been some surprises. Dallas looks to, you know, got some of their swagger back. So, you know, maybe we measure again at the 40 game mark, you know, what's happening with the San Jose Sharks and that Pacific division as well. I mean, it's, it's a little bit goofy what's not happening with San Jose. Uh, maybe they can pick up some time. But, I mean, in the bigger picture, when I look at the Oilers, you know, aside from what what, what keeps us uh, fired up, and then that's the play of that primary line, typically, you know, I, I think that there are some good signs. I mean, the goaltending has been... Has been solid. Um, most nights, I would say it's uh, above average, and if you get that, then because of the parity that exists around the national hockey, League, you've got a good chance to win. I don't think that uh, Kenny Holland is going to deviate from the plan and uh, add some pieces. But you know what? I didn't expect the Detroit Red Wings last week to land Ra- uh, Robbie Fabry. I mean, that's an excellent pickup for a team that is fully in rebuild and is probably better off to lose more than they are to win mm-hmm. from a draft perspective. So maybe an opportunity like that to uh, help some of their secondary scoring, add a piece in the bottom six surfaces, and he makes a move like that.
1: Got to say, before we let you go, and Robin and I were talking about this over coffee before you came on today on the uh, the Ray and Dregs podcast that you guys do, we've determined that you're our favorite
0: oh between ray and i or just curious
1: <laughs> just trying
2: to stir it up again
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll make sure to pass that along when i talk to
1: ray
2: i'm sure you will it's, 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 it's drags by a mile isn't it <laughs>
1: hey listen thanks very much for this uh, this is twice we don't want to bug you too much during the season but your, your time is so valuable what city are you in today uh,
0: I am in Toronto. Uh, I've got uh, Stanford, Connecticut on my list of to-dos this week. Um, and wow. then other than that, just, just quiet
1: time. Not okay. a whole lot going on. And your outdoor rink, when are you starting that?
0: Yeah, that one doesn't get going normally. Again, you know, with Mother Nature, we'll find out here. Based on the forecast, it might be sooner rather than later. Normally, I wouldn't get out there until... Around Christmas. Mid mid December is usually a, a good starting point for the initial sort of setup for me, and then we get after it you know from that point forward.
1: I've never asked what's your favorite CFL team? Are they still playing?
0: Saskatchewan so and Rough Riders, man. Uh, you knew I that know. before we were asking.
1: I know. I I I just wanted to kind of set <laughs> that one up. <laughs> Thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. As always.
0: Ah, uh, never hesitate to ask. Thanks, Darren. McDavid fighting through Go!
3: So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Fresh air
0: fun experience it all this summer in a new rv from carefree rv trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like winnebago and forest river so many floor plans and payments starting at just 53 bi-weekly plus one free year of coach net warranty on all rvs carefree
2: rv opens seven days a week in edmonton and Laduke. online carefreerv.ca carefree.
1: You know, Robin, we're getting to that point of the year where Christmas is a stressful time for a lot of people because you don't know what to get that special somebody in your life, right? But I do know one thing. I live at home with uh, two young men who love sports apparel and all sorts of sports stuff. So, obviously, uh, Pro-Am Sports have been with us right from the get-go on this podcast, so we thought we'd better get a hold of the main man over there, Jack Cookson, and he joins us today. Hello, Jack. Good day, gentlemen. Uh, is this a busy time for you? People starting to order stuff already? Oh
3: yeah. I mean, the, the beauty about our business is, uh, you know, when after Labor Day hits, uh, you know, guys get back to training camp for the NHL, uh, NFL gets going. Uh, October is the best month of the year, and and if you think I'm wrong, then well, then you're wrong, because <laughs> uh, it just absolutely is, and and then that rolls into the holiday season where about, I would say, in about five, probably this weekend, our clientele will stop being uh, the people that purchase for themselves and uh, they'll start being the people who are gift-giving. And that'll be the way it carries up until about a week before Christmas uh, because most people who gift-give are good planners and, like myself, uh, and then after that, uh, we'll go back to our normal clientele of rabid sports fans uh, who are either happy or angry at last night's result.
2: <laughs> Jack, between now and, and Christmas, uh, what in your mind is going to be the, the handful of hot items that you expect to move?
3: Well, the, the new other third jersey in the Edmonton area is, has been uh, pretty well received so far. I think initially when it came out, there was a little bit of pushback from the from the I hate it crowd, and, and I, I liked it right from the start just because it was different. I, I didn't want a, a vintage variation on uh, an old theme. They, this was completely different. Uh, it's not way out there like the, the McFarland third jersey was back in the day. Yeah, uh, But it was different enough that uh, people, that, you know, they were on both sides of the fence. But I think once they saw the players wear it on the ice, I mean, Darnell Nurse looks like about nine feet tall in that thing. Uh, and that uh, that appeals to uh, the hockey crowd and and uh, the new people uh, like it as well and and it, <laughs> they're they're in first place.
1: yeah, uh, it helps, that, doesn't it?
3: That absolutely is better for business than than the reverse.
1: Now you you point out the negativity on social media, and I'm with you. I heard all of that through the month of I don't know July and August. and then I saw one hanging on a rack. i I, I took a relative of mine on a tour through Roger's Place with Stu McDonald, and this was when it was, nothing was open, and I could see the new jerseys hanging on the racks in the Oilers store at the building, and I went, you know, those look really sharp in person. Are you getting that same kind of response at Pro-Am Sports?
3: 100%. And, uh, uh, you know, the photography is, looks good yeah. uh, on, on the website and on social media, uh, but seeing it in person, uh, the orange really pops, and also seeing one finished, with the uh, and I realize we're only talking about Navy and Orange, uh, so it's not like there's a multitude of colors and shades there. It's it's two, and uh, but I will say this that when you see it in person, especially if it's name and numbered, uh, it really does pop because the uh, the, the shoulder arms, sorry, the, the shoulder numbers, excuse me, right, uh, aren't shoulder. They're actually on the arms and they're much bigger than uh, they are on the on the home and the road and and then the vintage retro they wore last year. So it really stands out. Yeah,
2: I think they're really cool. I, I think that, has anybody put one of those things under a black light? <laughs> I th- now I'm dating myself with that, but I think I think they look terrific.
3: Uh, I don't know about the black light thing, Robin. That's kind of a Led Zeppelin kiss. Kind of <laughs> reference there, and we yes. do sell music memorabilia as well. That, that so I like to tie-in, uh, but the, the the black light experiment hasn't happened here at Pro Am
2: Sports. You know, you mentioned the Todd McFarlane jersey, and I know it doesn't fly uh, that well when you say it in town. I always thought that jersey was just hideous. <laughs> I I I didn't like that logo. I li- I I like the blue they used. But the sparkly silver—it uh, didn't work for me. How did you? Well, how did you think about it?
3: I hated it, but it wasn't for me. It was for a right. younger gen. It was for a younger generation yep. uh, who uh, wanted something different, something to call their own. Uh, there's a, a real deep connection with the '80s Oilers, uh, with a, a certain vintage. Uh, unfortunately, I am clearly in the middle of that vintage uh, as, as my, my teenage daughters like to tell me all the time. Uh, so it was never for me. So the fact that I didn't like it was cool, but those who did loved it. And here's the craziest thing. Those things are red hot on the, uh, on the buy and sell places, you know, the Kijiji's and the Facebook marketplaces and the eBay's these days, Hmm. because people want to go back and, and relive, a different kind of history. You know, the, the Jason Arnott, Doug Waite, Shane Corson, Jason Smith, Dwayne Rolison, uh Fernando Pisani era uh, is not, you know, Kevin McClellan, Marty McSorley, Dave Semenko, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, but it matters to a large group of people, and they all wore those jerseys, and, and uh, we've, we're seeing a ton of them come in now that we're doing up with uh, name and numbers. If, if they're blank, they're going for way more than they would have back in, in the old days.
1: Now, let me just tell you a little story out of school on that because I worked for the Oilers when that jersey was announced. That logo, or we used to call it the falling bolt, uh, that, that jersey was the secondary uh, selection by the hockey club. That was not their primary design. The initial design for the logo was basically... Squashed by the National Hockey League because they thought it looked a little too close to the Detroit Red Wings, uh, you know, with the the wheel and the the wing and that kind of thing. So we we kind of had to settle for second best on the logo. I, I don't know, and I'm with you, I, you know. And this is this goes back to the discussion we had not long ago about Heritage Classics. They're not really for the average fan watching. They're for the community. That you're trying to market to, and I guess that's pretty much what you're saying here is that you and I we don't fall into that category, but there were plenty who did.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the oil man jersey, the the one with the where they introduced copper, uh, and then the uh, the rig worker on the on the on the shoulder patches, we're seeing those uh, come in left, right, and center. And and the the crazy thing about that is we're not just doing up the names that you would expect, you know, we, of course we're doing Smith and we're doing Wade and Garen and, and we've got Fernando Pisani coming in in a couple of weeks to do a private signing for us. So, you know, we do see those guys, but we're seeing we're Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, seeing, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> just, we're seeing the, the random names and clearly you, you're going from collector uh, with a, with a Ryan Smith or a Doug Wade or a, or a Billy Garen uh, or Fernando Pisani uh, to uh, somebody who just wants to be different. Uh, and, and so they're going with, uh, that's my favorite one right now, is U- Igor Ulanov. But we actually did one <laughs> up the other day with McDavid, and we've done a Gretzky up. So it's just whoever you like, uh, go for it. My favorite one is we, we've done a lot of uh, name replacements uh, over the years. And my favorite one is we, we took off a Bonsignor name bar. And put on Nintendo, because J- if Jason Bonsignor, if you recall, War Number Sixty Four, and the uh, the famous uh, Nintendo video game Nintendo Sixty Four, so there's a few of those uh, floating around.
2: I tell you, Jack, when Igor Ulanov when you meant... I would I would line up to get something signed by Igor. We were on a road trip, and in back to back games, he got hit in the throat by a slap shot in Columbus, and then. Uh, Two nights later uh, at Madison Square Garden, he took a puck right between the eyes, cut him for 22 stitches, didn't want to leave. They had to make him leave the bench and go to the dressing room to get sewn up. He gets on the plane. Now the altitude uh, makes him start to swell up like um, the elephant man with stitches and I said, Jesus, Uli, you look terrible. Uh, are, are you even going to be able to play whatever Tuesday against so-and-so? He says, Robin, my leg, it is not broken. Of course I can play. <laughs> and that was Igor Ulanov. I mean, the guy was, it, it should have been, he should have been in the movie uh, No Country for Old Men. He is <laughs> uh, he is that sugar character, is he not?
3: Yeah, there you go, and and that's that's the random names that we uh, we're really enjoying uh, sewing up on on uh, on all of these vintage jerseys that have come back. And we get asked all the time when we advertise the fact that we do the sewing uh, for those uh, retro jerseys. Well, can I get that? And I'd love to, but unfortunately, in, in today's uh, new world of of uh, NHL merchandise. They're looking forward right now and uh, not looking in the rearview mirror, which is a shame because uh, there are some great old styles yeah. uh, that that people will still want. Like last year, the uh, the Hurricanes wore the uh, the Hartford Whaler green jerseys, and they look gorgeous. and, yeah. and we, we sold a ton of those. And and you know, the, of course, there's hurricane fans uh, in the Edmonton area, and 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 uh, you know. We sold a few of ads, some Sebastian Ajo's, but we did a bunch of Mike Liuts We did up some Brendan Shanahan's. We did a Chris Pronger. Um, you know, I, we always tell people wear that with. Uh, <laughs> oh, we make them sign a waiver if they want us to sew up Pronger. They go in public in Edmonton. Uh, you know, so it's it's it that's the craziest thing is is the random names that go on the back, and it's it's the vintage stuff that uh that, that's a lot of fun for us, especially for an old fart like me.
1: Okay, so with Christmas coming, how oh, if I wanted a Boris Mironov jersey or a Yanni Niedema jersey, how long would it take to turn something like that around? How much time would you need?
3: Well, we're Right now, we're at uh, 10 to 12 business days on, on a sewing project. Uh, our Christmas cutoff uh, will be the uh, 29th of this month, so November 20th, Friday the 29th. Okay. Uh, and then after that, we just tell people, listen, we'll, we'll try our best, but we make no promises. We don't want to be the reason why uh, we ruined your Christmas.
1: Other than jerseys, the one thing I love about walking into your shop is the pictures on the wall are absolutely sensational. Is that a hot seller for you, or is it still jerseys first and then everything else?
3: No, we've, we, uh, we have a—it's a, not a new product, but uh, it's, it's really refined over the last couple of years, and, and it's stretch canvas. Uh, we've got it down to the right size. It's 24 by 30, and uh, it's 119 dollars and we've got it in NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, NBA, uh, we've got some Mike Soroka, the the Calgary uh, native uh, who had a, just an unbelievable year for the Braves. Lots of NFL canvases, but of course our, our number one selling uh, canvases are, are Oilers, uh, and we've got both vintage and, and, and current guys, and you know, with the uh, Crosby-McDavid uh, matchup that just went off again this past weekend, uh, one of our best sellers is, uh, is a overhead face-off shot with the uh, Connor and, and Sid, and, and those go for $120, and uh, we cannot keep those in stock. It's uh, We just got another shipment in on Friday, and I was doing an order over the weekend.
2: Jack, if we're talking post-Stanley uh, Cup era Oilers, is Connor McDavid uh, the most popular jersey? I don't know if he's sold the most by now because he's only been around a, a few years. I'm thinking uh, McDavid, Ryan Smith must be pretty close to one too, huh?
3: Uh, I, yeah, but uh, so obviously you know Smitty is Smitty, and he'll always be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's McDavid. just does some "Are you kidding me?" Uh, stuff yeah. on a, almost a, an every night basis. I'll put you this way, Robin. You know, you guys talk with with players all the time, and he Connor McDavid is the only player that we've had current former players current. Opponents, player agents, all uh, who don't represent him, all speak glowingly about him. You know, a good guy Mm -hmm. and just an incredible talent. Colton Pareko did a signing with us uh, a couple of summers ago, and and it was right after um, the World Cup, and he was a a team North America teammate with with Connor. And he said it was so nice because there are way too many oh-my-God moments when you're playing defense against him. (laughs) And to hear somebody who has, you know, just... Uh, captured a Stanley cup, uh, this past June, uh, rave about somebody like that. It's, it's, it's rare. And I, I think that even if you're not an Oilers fan, you have to respect that talent. And he's a good guy. He's not a jerk. So, uh, you know, people, uh, go on to stars like that. And, and he just, he absolutely has taken our industry by storm. And, um, and and merchandise uh, right along with it to the point where, you know, for every one Leon Draisaitl item we sell, uh, and we sell quite a few, uh, we'll probably sell eight to ten Connor McDavid. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's a, a you know a, a picture puck, an eight by ten photo, those canvases I was just talking about, a jersey. Uh, it, it he just he just sells at an un- incredible pace. And quite frankly, I'm assuming that Wayne Gretzky would have been like that back in the day, but NHL merchandising yeah. was just getting going, like really getting going uh, during the Oilers' heyday, uh, it's nowhere near to where it is today. And the accessibility and uh, just what's currently available is incredibly different to what it was back then. So do I think he's more popular than Wayne Gretzky? no. Uh, but we certainly we were selling much more 97 than we do
1: 99. Jack Cookson from Program Sports joining us on the podcast today, and of course, we, you know we focused a little bit on Edmonton stuff here, and uh, of course, with uh, the reach of a podcast and the ability to get and check online with what you guys are all about. Yet, the one thing that I'm still giggling over is uh, when I was in to see you. I don't know, maybe it was sometime over the summer. We were talking about how retro Edmonton Trapper hats were selling. You remember that? Yep, sure do. Uh, Is it still like that? Because yep. what about Calgary Cannons? Uh,
3: we don't have any Calgary Cannons, uh, but we're gonna probably change that in the new year. Uh, we're gonna ride what we've got for now, but uh, but the Trapper stuff. And there's there's three different versions. Uh, there's the the original red, uh, probably most uh, recognizable during the Chicago White Sox. Uh, era of, of trappers, uh, then move on to the, uh, the, the navy red caps that were the hallmark of, of the Angels, and then the last cap, uh, with the, uh, the, the all black with the teal, uh, with the trapper man on, on the front that, uh, was what they were wearing, uh, in mm-hmm. the mid 90s. So, uh, we can't keep them in stock, uh, and, uh, they're featured on our television ad, and, and I always get a kick out of our analytics when that ad flashes, uh, during an Oilers game, uh, I end up seeing the word trappers, uh, under our search bar, uh, pretty quickly. And, and, uh, it's, it's amazing for, you know, a team that's been gone for some time. And, you know, it was a very popular AAA baseball team, but just that, a AAA baseball team, uh, people love retro and, and, uh, you know, we, we cater to that here a little bit. And, you know, we've got some, I'm looking at a, a California Golden Seals hat that's on my desk that uh, I stole off of the showroom floor that I that I'll uh, wear around the building every once in a while. And we've got lots of vintage NHL T-shirts, uh, Kansas City Scouts, uh, Vancouver Millionaires, Toronto St. Pat's, that kind of stuff, and, Sweet. and uh, so. If you're old like the three of us, we've got something for you. And if you want to make fun of old people like the three of us, uh, you can do that here at Pro-Am.
2: Well, I tell you what, keep your (laughs) eyes on that uh, Seals hat, Jack, because I know Mark Spector lives out your way. And I remember he had an old Oakland Seals jersey. I remember that, too. So if the hat disappears, you know where (laughs) to look, okay?
3: I bet only I had to worry about Chicago Cubs stuff with spec, but uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take that under advisement.
1: Hey, and before we let you go, what about riders stuff? Yeah,
3: yeah. No, hey, riders are riders, and and uh, they well, what's their slogan? That we walk amongst you. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's kind of like a Walking Dead thing. I thought
3: it was. <laughs>
2: uh, I thought it was. I thought the slogan was twelve or thirteen.
3: <laughs> wow, how many yeah. we got out here? <laughs> uh they they <laughs> continually are uh you know the the number one seller for CFL and and uh, I guarantee every CFL merchandise manager oh, yeah. and team president wishes they had the uh, the rider uh, support uh, that, that the folks in Regina get and and uh we've got some Ronnie Lancaster signed stuff or sorry uh, George Reed signed stuff. Yeah. Uh one of our our number one selling photos is a great old photo of Ron Lancaster handing off to George Reed that, that Mr. Reed is, has signed, and and uh, you can never go wrong with the green.
1: Two quick things. Thank you for supporting us right from the get-go. It's been fun to have you guys on board with us, and we obviously want to uh, push as much business as we can towards you over the Christmas season because you guys do great work. Uh, you're a nice local company, and, uh, and people can get a hold of you through the website, which is...
3: ProAmSports.ca, and if uh, you're in the Edmonton area, we'd love to see you buy our, our, uh, our store. Uh, we're on St. Albert Trail, but you access us uh, through 128th Ave, and and uh, we're that cool little store that when you open the door, you can't believe uh, what we look like on the inside because we don't look like that on the outside.
2: And just before we let Jack go, i got to say for people out there who grab this pod, whether it's uh, today, tomorrow, or later in the week, If you don't know the Edmonton uh, area, whether you're in another province or in another state or another country, I'll tell you this much. Uh, The uh, stuff they've got at Pro-Am Sports is second to none. And here's another thing that uh, I think matters, at least in our community, uh, not to embarrass you, Jack, but... uh, Pro-Am Sports has got a heck of a name in Edmonton because you do a lot of good stuff aside from just selling memorabilia. So for people out of town who don't know Pro-Am Sports, get on the old interweb, check out the site. Uh, You'll be glad you did. Thank you, gentlemen. Jack, thanks for this, and uh,
1: good luck through the holiday season, and we'll talk to you early in the new year because I'm sure as we get closer to the all-star breaks, there'll be more more fun stuff to come. So thanks, Jack. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia. Featuring unique collectibles and apparel, we've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. Wow, oh, there you go. So another, another exciting episode. It was a fun episode today. Darren Drager from TSN and Jack Cookson a couple moments ago from Pro-Am Sports. So the week ahead, lots of hockey ahead. By the way, can I just tell you what I did this past weekend? Sure. This was my Sunday viewing. I came in, I did some work here in the studio, and then I went home, watched the CFL Eastern Semifinal. Then as soon as that was over, watched the MLS championship game, watched the last half between Toronto FC and the Seattle Sounders, which was very entertaining. 70,000 people in Seattle watching that championship game. Then I flipped over and watched the CFL Western semifinal between Calgary and Winnipeg, which was quite exciting. Then I watched a little... A little hockey action on Sportsnet. I watched the uh, Leafs in Chicago, and then I watched the Oilers at Anaheim, and then I thought I was done, and then I went, wait a minute. I can watch the NBA game between the Raptors and the Lakers in Los Angeles at Staples Center, and that was a full day of Sunday. I, I still don't know what my family looks like, but it was a fun, fun sports day for me to kind of kick things off this week. Have you nothing else in your
2: life, Bren?
1: Well, you know what? It was only minus 17 in Edmonton on the Sunday afternoon. And I went, you know what? I'm very happy right here in front of the television with the fireplace on. And
2: the dog at my feet Uh, on a few occasions. Well, that's the smart play. We did much (laughs) the same thing. Uh, Put on some clothes, actually got out of the PJs long enough to shovel the driveway a couple of times. But that's about it. So I hear you. Thanks for your time today. Next
1: week's going to be fun. We have Mark Spector. And he's from Sportsnet. I miss Speck on TV, by the way. I I used to love him on the Oilers broadcast. And I know a lot of people really were not big fans of Speck because he was a little blunt. But isn't that part of the fun? I think it's part of the gig. Yeah, that's the way I view it. you got to be somewhat objective. And and also next week we're going to chat with Dwayne Vigneault from the Canadian Football League. He's the guru of Grey Cups. And we'll start to look ahead to the Grey Cup coming up in Calgary, even though the Stampeders will not be in it. It still will be one hell of a party. He is the party master. He is the party dude is who he is. Robin, thanks. This has been a blast this week. I appreciate your time, as always. See you next time. Okay, will do. Reported earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.